You are listening to the Archery Maniacs Podcast. This is Remy Warren. I am Rihanna Carey. My name is Adam Foss. This is Paul Tetford, professional archer. Hey everyone, I'm Christy Titus, and you are listening to Archery Maniacs. We cover everything archery, from the hunting side to the tournament side, with stories, tips and tactics, gear reviews, and more. That helped my tuning game so much when I made sure that all my arrows were square. And I'm just staring into his eyes. Blood's dripping off of its tines. Mud is everywhere. The clarity these mavens offer is amazing. I'm just like Spider-Man, you know, on this rock. You know, just <laughs> laying there. Belly crawling in there and I can barely fit in there and I can hear the cat growling at me. So I put my hand on his shoulder and pushed him and we just ran at this elephant. All right, welcome back to the Full Draw Fitness Podcast. I'm rolling solo today. Courtney's out having an adventure, and we have a very special guest on our podcast today for the first time. He's a good buddy of ours. We've we've been getting to know him. We met him uh, at the beginning of the year up in uh, Portland at the Portland Sportsman's Expo. And his name is Toby Boudreau. He's the Assistant Chief of Wildlife for the Idaho Fish and Game. Toby, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Pleasure. So, the, t- the clock is ticking, my friend. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it is almost go time. This is the uh, time of year that everybody that listens to, to our podcast, and uh, which is millions and millions of people... <laughs> <laughs> is have been waiting for um we, you know we we train we shoot our bows we uh you know we get out we do our scouting we do all that work to go to awesome places to uh to chase animals and so you know what better resource of knowledge information experience adventure some, probably some great stories than uh, than you my friend Thanks, Steve. It's uh, yeah, 16 days before everybody needs to be out in the field, at least here in Idaho, for uh, archery elk hunting. And shucks, in two days, uh, antelope starts. So uh, yeah, it's the time is upon us. <laughs> it is absolutely. What's the what's the weather been doing there lately? We were in St. Mary's, Idaho, two weeks ago, and the day we left it was 100. Or actually, excuse me, the day after we left it was 103. It's been pretty uh, pretty toasty here. Uh, last week we had temperatures of uh, 108 um, here in Boise, but in the mountains, uh, you know, considerably cooler. You know, only in the 90s. But uh, yeah, I would definitely uh, be packing my uh, my lighter, more breathable uh, layers for this uh, this early part of the season. I'm the long term forecast is for the to kind of stay with this. High 80s, low 90s temperatures for at least the next couple of weeks, and hopefully by September it'll cool down and give us a little opportunity to not sweat so much when we're trying to chase elk. Yeah, yeah, no joke. So, in your your opinion and experience, um, how do you think? What kind of role does this weather play on those animals as far as their habits? Their, um, you know, where they're ranging. Is it going to change where they have to go find food? Well, I think it definitely puts a bigger emphasis on water, and I think they'll be frequenting water a lot more than 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 uh, than normal. I also think because last winter's snowfall was moderate, um, that uh, there's not a lot of snow left in the mountains or springs running. So I think that uh, during the early season, I think sitting water is going to be a, a pretty effective method of uh, – of finding elk. Okay. Um, you guys did have a, a pretty decent amount of snow. Um, how long does that yeah. typically hang around up in the higher elevations? Oh, I mean, we get, you know, can, you know, there's persistent snow that spends, you know, stays all year, but, uh, for the most part, you know, there's just little eyebrows left right now, uh, in most places that I've been looking around at. And, um, so it, it, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, habit, the habitat's been, you know, we had enough uh, early moisture that I think the habitat grew up pretty nicely. And I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's a food issue at all. And I think that, uh, you know, we've had a couple wildfires uh, in Idaho, but nothing, um, 
you know, nothing like we had, you know, a decade ago. Yeah, you guys are hammered pretty hard. I was looking on um, Onyx Maps, and it gives you a history of wildfires, and holy cow, yeah, that, um, but, you know, that could, that could make for some good food source for these guys as well. Yeah, eventually, it's just that first year, um, you know, with uh, area closures by the land management agencies, and, uh, and just, you know, being a black landscape, uh, I mean, if we get fall rains, there definitely will be a green up uh, later in the later in the year, but probably won't happen for archery season. I would guess only in some of the burns that happened quite a bit earlier. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So you said antelope is about to open. Yeah, antelope opens in two days for uh, archery uh, over most of the state, and um, kind of cool. You know, it's for a big part of the state at least it's uh, it's over the counter you have to apply for it but uh, you automatically get that tag uh, for archery and statewide I think we harvest uh, about half of our antelope actually with uh, with archery equipment oh wow that's great yeah. that's really good getting on the um, the different websites and looking at this statistics man archery stats for harvest rates and numbers are so strong in idaho it's i i know several of of our clients elevation fitness training clients have actually moved their families um to idaho because of one i don't know that i've ever met anybody unpleasant from idaho two the, you know they want that mountain lifestyle um and three because that the quality of life there being able to recreate you know you've got so many bodies of water rivers there's mountains everywhere you've got a really diverse you know we've driven all through idaho such a diverse terrain as well you could have high plains um you could have rugged rugged um topography and in, in mountains you can have sunny valleys and you know there's all kinds of stuff but if you if you ask all of them which i have <laughs> um you know what was the main reason well shoot you can go and you can hunt all year long you can get almost everything that you need to get over the counter and you can still um draw amazing hunts and if you if you weren't to draw those hunts then you can exchange that for for an additional hunt on some species obviously that's not you know the the entire board wide but um man there's so many opportunities yeah it is pretty amazing you know and uh, i started with this agency in 2005 and you know we've done some pretty big statewide surveys of hunters and consistently the the main theme of those folks is we want to be able to hunt every year and you know we probably compromise a little bit of size on uh, on some critters in some places um that are uh, that have a but i think in the end really i mean hunting is about getting out and, and doing it um you know I, I i have friends that live in places that you know they're lucky to draw once every five or seven years and yeah it's a, it's a huge group effort for them to go out and try to fill a tag but um but gosh so many years are i mean we only have so many years in our life to hunt and uh, i just think it's amazing being able to you know to be excited about being able to get a deer tag and an elk tag and an antelope tag every single year in Idaho, uh, guaranteed, and a, and a bear tag and a lion tag, and you know up to six turkey tags. It's uh, it's it is pretty cool, and uh, and I, I I can't think of a better place in the West to live in. Yeah, man, no joke. We were in St. Mary's helping uh, some of Courtney's family clean an estate out. Um, from their family that had passed away a little bit ago and oh man we were right up on top of the mountain at the end we literally the the last cabin on the road you know so it's not like there's anybody driving by there's no you don't get lost i mean you can get lost up there but you don't go down that road on accident it's a dirt road it's about four miles you know straight uphill and you just sit out there there's no cell phone service which is literally a, a godsend um and you know other than the yellow jackets <laughs> It was so pleasant. Um, we got to roam around a little bit, drove around to kind of you know see what we can see. Um, we spent um, a night last year in City of Rocks, which was really oh, yeah. exciting. Awesome Man, place! Can't wait to go back there. Um, yeah, and it, you know, crazy thing, it, you know, it's a state park and a national park, and you can hunt there. Isn't that crazy? 
it's I think it's just amazing. That's yeah. So, uh, that's so as as the assistant chief of wildlife, what are what are your responsibilities? What is it that that you know you're responsible for? What is it that you do? So I have a pretty diverse uh, palette of responsibilities. I think my biggest responsibility is being in charge of the budget, um, which, um, you know, for our agency or for our bureau, the Wildlife Bureau, you know, is, uh, you know, over $20 million. And uh, that's a pretty big responsibility. The other things I do are uh, I supervise the research uh, around the wildlife research in the state and then supervise our wildlife health lab, which is, you know, where we send samples to, to get them genetically tested, um, to um, send animals to get necropsied if we don't know the cause of uh, cause of death on a, on a critter that either a member of the public might find or we might find that had a radio collar on it. Um, it also is where we bank all of our genetic information for, uh, for future use. Um, and then uh, on top of that, I'm also... Um, kind of the bureau lead for grizzly bear management in the state. And as you well know, we have one grizzly bear tag uh, coming up uh, this fall uh, for the Yellowstone grizzly bear population. And um, and everything else that needs to be done. So uh, I just am kind of a catch-all <laughs> person. But, uh, you know, those are, the, those are the big things that I do for the agency right now. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot, buddy. <laughs> that's a whole bunch. So the uh, the, the grizzly bear tag that's pretty exciting. Um, is now is that going to be a resident only? Yes, it, it uh, yeah it is super exciting. I mean, what a uh, what a culmination of a of a conservation you know success. Yeah, to have a hunt um, on a on a species like grizzly bears. You know that went from basically 200 uh, now to over 700 bears, and uh, it is pretty amazing. And yeah, this year the commission, our Fish and Game Commission, did uh, make it so it was for residents only. Okay. Um, we had about 1,300 applicants, and uh, and drew one name, so it's kind of cool. That's exciting, and that person already knows that they're the winner. Yes, yes, oh, they do. Geez. Yes, what a what a day. And, uh, yeah, it uh, it was. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing. I mean, I guess the the other side of the coin is is we do have court litigation uh, looming. Uh, there's six lawsuits to put grizzly bears back on the endangered species list, and you know the hearing is uh, the hearing starts on August thirtieth, Thursday, August thirtieth in Missoula. So we'll see where that goes, but. Um, for all intents and purposes, we had to plan a hunt, and we did that. So, yeah, great, good for you, and you know, I think everybody that's going to be listening to this podcast would agree. Um, you know, we try not to ever get into too much of the the politics of that stuff, but we all know, uh, we most of us know and feel that there's so much emotion only based on those votes and its opinion and a lot of the folks that really try to push that back out of um you know the hunter's reach have never really spent too much time in the woods uh, without a weapon <laughs> and they don't actually realize that these these guys are thriving you know and i think that the fact that when a when a when a number of, of animals come out and let's say that you've done um, you know, the census and you got, who else is going to, to know better than, you know, the local fish and game? What are the numbers? You know, I, I guess what has, what's always baffled me is how can folks question that when it's the, you know, it's the boots on the ground. It's, it's, um, and one of my buddies who's, you know, we, we won't name him, but he's a, he's a big time hunter, big time personality. He's like, it's civilian science. We're civilian scientists. We go out there, we see these animals and, you know, of course they're not going to be hanging out by the road, but get off the road a little bit. You know, you can see the sign everywhere. It's not like they just roam. It's not Bigfoot. They leave, they leave their tracks, whether it's a tore up log or a carcass or, you know, if a bear's been in the area and you know to look for it, it's pretty easy to find. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, a lot of these, you know, um, 
issues that reach the the general public i mean they they go into the realm of emotions and you know you can't argue uh emotions with data it doesn't matter what kind of data you have you could have the best data in the world and if somebody is affected emotionally that that's that's about where they're going to get and uh you know it, it is uh it, it is always a challenge because, you know, we manage wildlife for everybody. Um, you know, hunters are the ones that pay for conservation, but, you know, we manage wildlife for everybody. And, you know, we invite everybody to our public meetings and, and we invited everybody to the public meetings about grizzly bears. And, you know, there was definitely those emotional arguments there. And, and you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it, uh, there is a lot of folks, uh, that uh, armchair biologists, as I like to call them, and, you know they. But yet, you know the the reality is, is when you or I go out hunting and we see animals or don't see animals, we think, oh, the population must be up or the population must be down, and and we we judge ourselves about you know in our experiences and say, yeah, it must be a really bum year. It isn't that the animals are all still up in the alpine, uh, and we didn't see any. It's well, there's really nothing out there. And uh, which is which is, you know, one of those things that, you know, we we love to enter. I love to interact with the public about those issues because yeah you're right. I do have data. I do have data to show that, you know, that this is the mortality and this is the survival and this is the population. And, you know, uh, they could be somewhere else. It could be a dry. You could be on the dry side and they're all, you know, drinking out of springs on the wet side of the mountain yeah what whatever but uh but yeah it's uh and every hunter's experience is different so it's uh it's i i don't know i love my job i've been doing it for uh 30 years and uh you know i think it's uh pretty cool i man i agree i'm i can only imagine i can't wait to hear some more of the stories um you know i think that you know in today's social media driven age um you know, I know that Courtney and I take it uh, as a very heavy responsibility that when we're out doing what we do and we share it with the people that follow us, that we have a it's a we have a responsibility to share certain experiences and images with the correct context. And if that context isn't isn't built, um, and then you see somebody throwing a spear at a bear and you know um, getting crazy or or just running up on a carcass and doing some kind of crazy dance, then it, it really takes the it takes the meaning and you know you don't see our two little boys who devour bear meat like a wood chipper or wild turkey or you know they literally we you know our eight and twelve excuse me nine now geez where does time go nine and twelve year old boys look at this I've got a you know a twenty cubic foot standing freezer and they'll open the door and they you can see them rationing the elk and the bear and the deer. <laughs> like what do you in 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 gabe our our when he was eight he was like okay guys no joke he had the door open and he said through the screen door um okay guys we're down to like i don't remember what it was nine or ten packs of bear sausage left and it was for we were having bear sausage biscuits and gravy and um yeah there was only a little bit of courtney's spring bear left and he was he was concerned about it (laughs) so if you if you know if you can see those that animal in the context of this thing is we use a hundred percent of it you know and and by using this animal it feeds our family and it also allows us to have a better opportunity to hunt the elk and the deer that we eat as well you know and i think that for some reason, that deer and the elk don't have souls, and people don't seem to care too much about them. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, and, and I, I think I, th- I think in this day and age, I mean, it's the best meat you can get. I mean, you just you can't even beat it. And uh, yeah. I know my daughter grew up on eating wild game, and you know, I uh, she wouldn't uh, she wouldn't give that up for anything, you know. And it was always an exciting thing. Question, you know, is this bear? Is this moose? Is this caribou? Is this you know, deer is this elk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, nor are we willing to. We're we're not interested. So, um, what do you think? What have been some of the biggest changes in your experience? Um, you know, w- with your role in, you know, wildlife biology, and 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 maybe not even just you know in the position that you're at now, but you know, since the beginning of your career, there's obviously been some some pretty big changes you've seen. What do you? What are some of the highlights of those? 
You know, I think some of the big changes, you know, that have been challenges are kind of those things like, uh, you know, how how do we get the word out to people? You know, uh, we have a bunch of people now that listen to podcasts, which is awesome. Um, but how do we get out to the general public that just buy a hunting license and a deer tag or an elk tag and go hunting? Because their opinion, I mean, they probably amass a whole lot more than the opinions of, those few people, you know, that uh, either love or hate something that usually end up coming to the meetings. And I think that we've seen over time in my career, less and less people want to come to public meetings. And uh, I think our biggest challenge is trying to get information and get information back. I mean, really, it isn't so much us always trying to push information out, but also getting people's responses back, getting people's input about what they want and how they want their populations managed because really it's 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 theirs to be managed by by us i mean we are simply um you know we, we're just stewards of the resource and uh and i think that you know we've been doing a little bit better job with uh with doing statewide surveys mail out surveys online surveys and i think we are doing better a better job than we were but uh you know, it's it's a changing climate. We've got people, uh, you know, that are definitely uh, going out of hunting. You know, the baby boomers that are aging out, and we've got a bunch of millennials coming back in. and And I think that uh, you know, the job of the our my agency is to kind of continually keep trying to check and figure out how to communicate best with each of those age age groups and 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 classes of folks because that communication is so integral to what we do as an agency. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I couldn't agree more. It's, um, you know, especially just trying to get people to respond or give feedback or, or suggestions or get that info back is, seems to be pretty difficult nowadays. Um, I know when I first started, I'm, you know, I'm 38 years old. I, when, when I first started into any kind of, you know, my, my first sales career a long time ago in my early twenties, um, you know, you had, I think it was like between nine and 13 seconds to capture somebody's attention and, and either get them on the hook or not. And now about two months ago, we were doing a podcast and I remember relooking, looking at that stat again, and it's three and a half to four seconds. <laughs> so that's a loss of almost 10 seconds of, cause we're so, we roll through, right? We roll, we, we, we scroll through, we just, ah, this either, you know, it either stimulates me immediately or it doesn't. So trying to get people's feedback and, you know, I can only imagine, especially on something that isn't in their face all the time, you know? Exactly. And, you know, I guess the, and the other side of the coin is we don't want to hit those people too, too often and make them feel like it's kind of, we're spamming them. Right. You know, we just want to, uh, and, you know, and, and, and it, it is, uh, you're, you're right. Uh, I will say that, you know, the public that, you know, that, lives in Idaho that hunts, um, they're actually pretty good compared to other states about their interest in giving us feedback. I, I will say that, you know, it's it's often pretty easy to get 50% response rate on a, on a statewide survey of, you know, 3,000 or 4,000 or 7,000 people. You know, it's... Uh, so we do have people that, you know, consider hunting is pretty special and you know, gosh, we had a, uh, you know, a state um, constitutional amendment a few years ago, and you know, over 70% of Idahoans support, you know, the, the constitutional right to hunt, fish, and trap. So that's pretty strong support, even though, you know, license sales are somewhere below 10%. Wow, yeah, that's people. impressive. That's very impressive. You got you, you have to get creative with that stuff, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, you do. And, uh, you know, I think the... Uh, you know, as the you know, as the public changes, I think we, uh, we 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 need to keep asking them those questions. And I because uh, you know we, we we write management plans for ten years out, but you know really when we when we put together a management plan like the Elk Plan we just finished in two thousand fourteen. I mean, we went out with a very concerted effort to engage the public on how they want elk managed for the rest, you know, for the next 10 years. And, and I think that those things are important because, 
you know that that's our guiding document that is that is when we when we have a question about where should we go with this we look back at that document and say oh there it is that's how we should do it yeah interesting it's it's i'm still really impressed that it you get a 50 percent response rate that's <laughs> i'm trying to think of any other industry that can say yeah we get 50 percent response <laughs> yeah that's really and, good you know and and, and and yet you know on our website you know sometimes we get and we send you know other emails for other uses other reasons and you know we get 25 percent click-through rate you know and sure. stuff like that but yeah. when you send somebody a hard copy survey yeah, I mean, we're, we're usually around 50% receipt. That's so, great. Which is pretty cool. So It means that we have an engaged public. We just have to be able to hit them. Yeah, no joke, right? Yeah, got to catch them at the right moment. <laughs> what, yeah. what, what What would you personally want people to know most about the Idaho fishing game? You know, I, I think that uh, probably the most important thing is that, you know, it's it's their resource and, and that we, we – we are really happy and you know excited when people come out to, uh, to to talk to us. And whether that's sending a online comments, coming out to a public meeting, uh, filling out surveys, I think that uh, I think the most important thing is that you know people have to realize that you know it's uh, it is everybody's resource to manage, and that we need your input uh, to do the best job we can to you know to, to make make sure that we're we're doing what you need to do. We we need to do for you uh the people and um and i think that you know we are also um idaho fishing game i think is uh, is different than some agencies where we we really like to talk to to hunters about about hunting hunting techniques uh you know places to go um opportunities and things like that and and i think people you know they we have our hunt planner which is an online tool uh, that a lot of people really like uh, and use. It's got a map linkage to it and, and species and all that stuff, and, and that's really good. But, you know, definitely don't be afraid to call one of our regional offices to talk to a human. And, yeah, uh, yeah, I have to say, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I have to say firsthand, that hunt tool is awesome. I mean, I have, I don't know how many nights Courtney and I have fallen asleep, computers in lap, just going over because you know it's I, I don't know how many folks know or not i don't think we've really made it too public but we're planning an elk hunt in idaho i mean we're leaving on the 28th we're driving there we've got some spots scouted out and um you know we're we're, we're doing our homework every single day we actually had a meeting because there's going to be three of us and i'm i've got three four pages of notes um list gear list all this kind of stuff um, we're going to go and hit it hard and I'm hoping to come back with, you know, at least two out of three tags, if not three tags punched. And man, having that, that hunting tool, uh, being able to just link up to the maps, depending on what unit that, that you're going to be hunting. Holy cow. I mean, that is just an absolute resource. Um, and I know that, you know, speaking for myself, but I know Courtney feels the same way. Being able to call a biologist you know, we where we bear hunt here, um, the water changes so much. You know, obviously during spring, it's, it's it's a mountain, so there's water everywhere, and we're just absolutely flooded with bears. I mean, big big bear, you know, 300 plus pound bears, big ones, and and so you know we're covered up in them. And and then as it starts to heat up, and you know it's so dry right now, all that changes so much to the point where you know, we were having a hard time finding them again. So it's like, man, I love the fact that I can get on the phone with a biologist, you know, a bear biologist specifically and say, hey, you know, let's, can you help me out? I'm by no means a professional. You know, I haven't hunted bears my whole life. And, and I love, I love getting that advice. And I'm not, I'm also not one of those people that's too good to ask for help either, you know? Absolutely. You know, and I think that, you know, especially with the people, you know, like to explore other states and, you know, uh, and and when they come to Idaho, you know, it's it's hard to just go to a place cold um, without any information. And I think the hunt planner and, uh, you know, that combined with, uh, you know, Google Earth and, and, and a resource like we have in our regional offices, I think really kind of gives people a, a, an opportunity to actually you know, have an enjoyable, successful, you know, hunt and, uh, and, you know, with tools like Onyx and, and others, uh, you know, that, 
those are all things that we in this day and age i think are are pretty important to be able to use because you know when i go to another state you know i'm always calling up that local biologist i'm always looking on map sources you know uh, google earth or onyx and and seeing what my options are and then then talking those over and you know, I, I don't think any biologist uh, necessarily hotspots people to, oh, yeah, go to the third fork of this river and <laughs> then turn, turn up and there'll be one tied up on the tree, uh, right. try to try yeah. to buy the tree. Uh, but um, <laughs> Jurassic Park style. There's gonna yeah, be but I, I think that I think it is important that we, uh, you know, that, that we have that linkage and that that relationship between, you know, the agency and hunters, because um because I mean, we want people to be successful, and and we want people to have a great time too. Yeah, what a what a what a great resource. Um, you, you know, definitely, I've never hunted in Idaho, and um, we hadn't planned to, as you knew earlier this year, because Courtney had all these surgeries and. Sure. When we met, she just come off of her shoulder surgery, so she couldn't pull her bow. She was shooting with a mouth tab, um, and then she had a, a really major hip surgery. And we've just been grinding away, and you know, living and dying by her uh, physical therapy and getting it out. And you know, I think we've hiked over ninety miles in the last um, less than a month and a half. And I want to say the last. I don't know, probably 12 or 15 miles were, you know, with a 35 and a 60 pound pack. So she's, you know, she's strong. She's doing really well. You know, our, and, and, you know, our whole purpose for life is, is to help people get and stay fit for backcountry hunting, you know, um, that's why we developed elevation fitness training is specifically for what we're about to go do and hike, you know, some tough terrain and, and, and hunt and be able to do it day after day after day, rather than you go and you hike six or seven miles in a day. And then, Oh, I need to take the next day off. Well, we're, we've only got nine or 10 days that we can go. So, you know, we need to make sure one, that we can do it safely Two that we're prepared with our nutrition. You know, we're, we're prepping every meal beforehand. Um, you know, we're, we're, we want to do the diligence, which is, is going to be required to go out and harvest an animal, um, you know, and do it safely and enjoy Idaho and I can't I can't wait for it it's it's we're both really excited about it um and so another part of that is there's wolves in Idaho yes sir there's all kinds of wolves in Idaho and um I'm going to be purchasing a wolf tag and so is Courtney and so is our buddy Joe who's going with us and we're really excited about that and I firmly stand behind um you know managing that population because I love game meat so my next question to you is how much of an impact do those wolves have on, you know, these animals that we're going to be hunting and their survival rate? You know, wolves were Fish and Wildlife Service in uh, 1995 and 1996. Um, and they, you know, there's, they, they, they did pretty well in Idaho. Uh, they, their populations uh, recovered uh, quite quickly. And, um, you know, Idaho Fishing Games started managing with hunting in 2009, and then uh, we added in trapping in 2011. Uh, there was a hiatus in there. 2010, there was, uh, they actually court-ordered, uh, closed the closed the season. They were put back on the list temporarily. But, you know, I, I think the, I think since 2011, um, we have uh, done a pretty good job of finding that balance in a lot of Idaho. Um, I think that there are places that, you know, um, that elk um, were not doing very well before, um, and they were existing with mountain lions and black bears. And then when wolves were added on, you know, that kind of uh, sent them down even in farther. But uh, but those are those are very unique small spots or very you know relatively small areas compared to the rest of the state where I think that uh, we actually have made uh, gains on wolves uh, that hunting is hunting and trapping are making a difference uh, for uh, for big game populations and I think that uh, I think that a lot of places we are finding a balance between wolves and and elk and, and deer and I 
you know, we're, we're, you know, the, the, the idea is, is we're not going to get rid of wolves. Wolves will always be here on the landscape. I think finding, I think our job is to do the best to find that balance between wolves and elk and deer and moose. And, and I think in a lot of places we're doing a good job of that and, uh, and we're doing it with hunters, uh, hunters and trappers. So that's even, that's even better. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm going to be gladly paying my thirty-one fifty um, for that tag. And so now, if I if if I fill that tag, do I have the opportunity to get more tags? Yes, you can buy five, you can buy four more tags, so you can have five total tags on you uh, for the fall. And then uh, starting January first, you can have five more tags okay. till the end of the season in March. So yeah, we have. Uh, pretty liberal opportunity most people uh if they do harvest a wolf it's usually one um but we do have people that you know that have harvested uh, multiple wolves in, in a single season and you know it's quite a trophy with a with archery equipment um yeah. of course you have to be pretty close but no doubt you could do it if you play the wind right yeah, my buddy Brian, um, I'm sure everybody who listens to us knows him. The Gritty Bowman, Brian Call, actually harvested a wolf either last year or the year before with his bow. Um, that's That was pretty exciting. So he got the juices flowing, of course, and not that I'm competitive by any means, but I would sure love to do that. But the um, the rifle's also sighted in. Um, so now if I when I purchase that tag, do I purchase... You know, do I have the option to purchase multiple tags at once, or is it a fill and replace? Oh no, you could buy all five. Um, oh okay. Could, yeah. Oh no, it's uh, yeah, it's one of those species where you can buy multiple tags for it at a, at a single time. So okay. yep. Gotcha. So let's get, let's get on a little more personal level. What is um, what's one of the most memorable projects that you've been a part of? You know, the first part of my career was spent in Alaska, and probably the most memorable project was uh, we we studied moose calf mortality for uh, for five years, uh, basically collaring anywhere between sixty five and eighty five calves every spring, following them twice a day with an airplane, and when they um, were predated, preyed upon or died, we went in there to figure out what uh, what actually. Uh, what actually was the what meant? What was the reason of their end? And um, and then at year three, we actually went in there and removed because in the first two years, figured out that bear predation was a big part of that project, uh, a big part of the limiting factor on moose. And in year three, we went in and removed uh, a bunch of bears. So we didn't kill any of the bears. We actually darted them and moved and slung them with helicopters uh, over to fixed wing aircraft and then flew them um, anywhere between 175 and 350 miles away to runways in remote areas and release them. And uh, it, it, it actually took the moose calf survival from 17 calves per hundred cows estimated in December to 56 calves per hundred cows in in two years of, of removal. Oh, wow. So it was, uh, it was, it was pretty amazing, uh, pretty amazing that we were able to pull off a project like that and that we had the funding to do so because it involved a lot of helicopter time. And we trapped a few of those bears, maybe less than 20 and the rest of them were all aerial darted. And most of them, um, I had the opportunity to dart those, so it was it was pretty cool. That is that's super cool. Is it pretty? Because, is it pretty tough to locate them? Uh, well, we had spotter aircraft um, helping the helicopter, <clears throat> so we had two spotter aircraft uh, flying around fly, finding bears. Um, and mostly, what we moved were singles. Um, we didn't move family groups uh, with young uh, for the most part, but mostly it was single bears, and uh, it was a. Uh, it was about a 500 square mile area in Southwest Alaska, and uh, it was uh, it was quite the was quite the target rich environment. Um, I think bears, uh, based on our radio collar information, bears were coming from many miles away down to this area where moose traditionally calved uh, just to uh, 
just to eat calves. And that was probably the most, the most memorable project I've ever worked on just because it's wildlife management at its best. It's wildlife research at its best. It's how can we build this moose population for people to be able to use? Yeah. And, and what, we did it. What a, uh, yeah, no joke. What a, what a great feedback and what a great result from a, what sounds like a ton of effort, you know, just in, in two years to see that's a, that's a pretty significant number change. Yeah. And, and the cool thing, I mean, the, 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 the postscript on that is that, you know, the moose population was allowed to grow and it was allowed to kind of get out of what we call a predator pit. And, um, you know, there, there are, there are a lot of moose there now, uh, even, uh, even 15 years later. There are a lot of a lot of moose there. It's awesome. So, well, or thirteen sure. years later. Sorry. All of our fellow hunters can thank you for that <laughs> for sure. So, how about this? How about the craziest? What's the, your craziest on the job story? I mean, what's the craziest thing that you can think of that you can you can share with us? Well, I you know I thought a lot about that, and uh, probably one of the craziest things is we were uh, trapping elk to test for uh, brucellosis elk. Elk get brucellosis, and uh, we were testing for it in um, over near Soda Springs, and we were running a corral trap, which is a a big baited round trap with ten foot walls. And anyways, we caught twenty one elk that morning or that evening. Um, got there in the morning at six a.m. to to work these elk up, take blood samples, <clears throat> and actually test them right in the field, and then release them again. Uh, same spot, didn't move them at all or anything. And, but anyways, they backed up the trailer to this uh, to the squeeze chutes because this trap actually is designed with four squeeze chutes that so you can work up in animals individually. And um, the trailer was a little cock kitty wampus from the from the last squeeze chute, and this elk was trying to get out. We were released the elk into the trailer because we hold them in a trailer until the testing was. Was the field testing was done and this elk was trying to get out between the trailer and the trap and I ran around the trap real quick and I took my hat my baseball cap off and I whacked it on the nose to kind of get it back in there <laughs> and it was like it was like a ninja because I went from hitting it in the in the on the nose with the my ball cap to it planting its hoof right on my forehead and dro- and <laughs> And pile driving me right to the ground, <laughs> and and I can remember my colleagues yelling, "Toby, Toby!" And uh, anyways, and I, I I was lucky enough. I'm I, I don't have many follicles on my head, but I was lucky enough to have a stocking cap underneath because it was twenty degrees, and I pulled that stocking cap off and had a perfect hoof print uh, on the top of my head. Was it a front? Where, was it a front hoof? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's a front hoof. Oh, and, uh, my God. They are uh, so fast, and their legs are so long, you think you're far enough away, and you're not. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, that, uh, that thing was, uh, it, it watched too many versions of the Karate Kid, I'll tell you. <laughs> Man, I wish you had a video for us to see that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think the aftermath was... <laughs> was uh, was pretty funny to my colleagues for sure somebody took a picture toby i know it someone took a picture so we're gonna need that we'll put it in the show notes oh i i i, I somewhere i have a picture of the hoof print oh my gosh he, he, every, everybody learned a lesson that day oh yeah yeah i did elk have long legs and they're fast if uh so if someone's if somebody is um you know, if someone is contemplating, this is going to be a two-part question. I just, I just popped into my head. Someone's contemplating coming to Idaho to hunt, which they should. Um, you know, you know where Courtney and Joe and I are, are coming. We've talked about it extensively. You know, we've picked your brain, um, so you, you kind of know the the idea and, and the area of where we're coming to hunt. Um, if someone's coming to to hunt Idaho and they're going to be exploring you know similar terrain what kind of fitness are they going to need to to not only be successful but to enjoy their time there well i i I think they're going to need you you need to be in shape uh the idaho elk don't come easy um there's no doubt about it that uh 
as my uh, as my good friend and colleague says, Idaho has a lot of up and dicular. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's you know there's some steep country. It's uh, it's big country, and I, I think that uh, you know you definitely. You know, if, if you don't train, uh, you will not have um, as good of experience if you, if you did train. If you don't have the right nutrition and if you don't, you know, uh, have a have a fitness program and a, and a nutrition program, um, you'll figure out pretty pretty soon that, you know, you like you said earlier, Steve, that, you know, you're basically a one-day wonder. Um, and then you've got to go home and rest. <clears throat> and I, I think that... Uh, you know, I, I think that you can't spend enough time on a Stairmaster to hunt Idaho elk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's very few opportunities to hunt elk on flat land here. There is a few, but um, but, but most of the elk are definitely in the mountains, and uh, and and the only way to get there is on your on your with your boot soles. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So. <clears throat> Kind of last question I had for you is, um, in your opinion, why should people come to Idaho to hunt? Well, I, I think one of the one of the things that draws me, you know, that would that drew me to come to Idaho, I guess, is because you can come hunt every year, especially if you use archery equipment. Um, basically, you can come and hunt every single year. Um, we have large areas um we are a zone state so we do have elk broken up into into zones uh but some of those zones are 1400 square miles in size so they're 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 big areas and uh you know even the most one of the most congested uh you know zones in the state that i used to hunt quite a bit um i and had it had well when I hunted it, it had two thousand people archery hunting that wow. zone. Um, I only ran into one person once, it actually in the field. I saw people's cars, I saw you know other people's camps, but really only one time in seven years of hunting did I ever run into somebody in the woods and say, "Oh, I'm going this way. You go that way," kind of thing. Wow. It's, you know, it's big country, and uh, and I think it's uh, I think it's awesome. I think that. You know, we've got a lot of elk here, and we've got, uh, you know, everybody can get online on our website and look at the, at the stats. Uh, you know, we've got the percent six points in the harvest. We've got the percentage of success for archery hunters uh, in every unit. Um, you know, granted, uh, we, I mean, we're, we're, we're not, man- we, we manage for a 285 to 315 six-point bull. That's that's really what that's our goal, um, for for most areas in the state, and I think that that is a an amazing trophy to get with a bow, and uh, you know, you know, my first day hunting elk in Idaho was with archery equipment, and I put an arrow on the string eight times, eight different times. I was so close to a bull that my mentor said, "Put an arrow on your string," and I never did get a shot that day. But what a memorable experience! And you know, it's it isn't it isn't like if you're going to find another bull, it's which one do I go to next? In most places, and it's it's just that it's just that good. You know, I had friends that hunted other states, and you know, they maybe see one or two elk a season, and they came to Idaho, and, and they saw more than they had seen in their all the previous years hunting in a, in, a, in a different western state. So, you know, it's 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 a great place to come and hunt. I, I think we have. Uh, you know, a lot of opportunity for folks, especially to archery hunt. We do have some rifle hunting. Uh, we do have muzzleloader hunting for those folks. And and I think that, uh, you know, I, I think we manage for opportunity and I think we do it. I think we do a darn good job of it. And I think that uh, most people appreciate uh, being able to hunt every year and, and coming to Idaho. Yeah, well, well said. I, I think you absolutely nailed it. Um, so, you know, we're, we, we're obviously bow hunters. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to take a rifle just in case that um, we get a wolf opportunity, you know, outside of 60, 70 yards. Um, I think that also, I think it's important for people to know. So let's say that, you know, we, we buy these over-the-counter um, non-resident 
elk tags and and if we don't fill these tags in this archery hunt what are our options um to come back and try it again well it's different for every zone some zones don't have any opportunity extra opportunity and other zones uh you know have an have a have a muzzleloader opportunity later some zones have a rifle opportunity for antlerless later uh some zones have not only a uh you know an archery season and then a muzzleloader season and then a rifle season uh all all attached if you if you're not successful with archery you get to come back with a rifle and then or come back with a muzzleloader and then come back with a rifle and you know i think that uh um i I think that's a pretty cool opportunity in a lot of places also that you you know and the other thing is about a deer tag is that you know if you buy a regular deer tag um, you could use it during archery season. You could come back during rifle season for mule deer. And then you could come back later in the year to North Idaho and hunt whitetails on that same tag um, till the till the end of November, 1st of December. So, wow. um, so our, our deer tags are, are not zone specific unless they are a controlled hunt. And, um, okay. you know, I think that... Uh, yeah, I think I think and and you know we have a lot of hunts that are archery hunts first, that are rifle hunts second. That a lot of people just get just for the rifle option. They don't even archery hunt. Um, you know, it's uh, because because that's all they want to do. And uh, so when you look at the stats, you know, make sure that you you look at you know how many people went with archery equipment um, because maybe the total sales of the tags you know looks. Uh, like a big number but if you minus the people who actually just hunted with archery equipment um, it becomes a lot more reasonable gotcha yeah that makes sense and then i if i if i remember correctly if i were to see a bear or cougar and i didn't have a bear or cougar tag i can use my elk tag for that animal yes you could use an elk or deer tag or deer tag Mm -hmm. okay For, for a bear wolf or lion Bear, yep. wolf, or lion. Yep. Okay. Um. Man, I I feel like all the questions and um, hopefully any of the questions any of our listeners have have been answered. And what a wealth of knowledge! It's I ke- I can't stop thinking about that elk front kicking you in the forehead. That is <laughs> such a funny story. Yeah. Uh. Well, it, uh, it it's funny now that I you know. Now that I relive it, and I survived, but uh, yeah, the uh, go, go, driving myself to the clinic and them telling me that I probably had a concussion was probably not the highlight of my day. Yeah, I remember driving by a, a petting zoo that we—I mean, it wasn't really a petting zoo; it was kind of a a um, destination farm. I grew up way in the country in Michigan, and there was a farm where kind of the inner city kids—you know—they go on their big. Um, road trip I guess field trip you might say to this to this farm and they would come and learn how you know these animals are taken care of and and cared for and all this stuff and they had llamas and alpacas and I remember driving by to either school or to to go into town for something one day and seeing one of these alpacas front kicking at someone that was just I mean stuff falling out of their pockets throwing stuff running away from as fast as they could and this thing is running and kicking at the same time so that was the visual I got when you were telling me that story yeah yeah except you know it, it all happened in about an eight inch wide uh, space you know it, it wasn't uh, you know I didn't have both feet but uh, thank goodness I probably would be you know, lying in pieces on the ground. But, uh, <laughs> oh man! It was, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's all good, and I still love elk. Yeah, so. no joke, no <laughs> joke, man. So, um, for anybody who has any further questions, um, whether it be you know on anything we covered today, um, any information on general hunting any recreating, anything like that, what's the best place for them, um, resources, website, anything like that for them to find that information? Well, I definitely think the best, uh, you know, place for people to start to plan a hunt in Idaho is to get on our Idaho fishing game website. Um, it's pretty easy to Google and, uh, get on there and, and go to hunt planner. Um, look at our resources that we have on there. We also have, you know, under, uh, under science we also have our old our all the management reports 
for every species, um, which has surveys in there that we've done on on species. So you can get everything that we basically do on our website. I think that would be a great place to start. Also on there are links to uh, contact uh, regions. And, um, you know, if you're thinking about hunting in one or two regions, I would contact them. Uh, you know, one of the key components to, if you are coming from out of state to hunt Idaho is that uh, non-residents get to buy their tags on December 1st of the year previous to the hunt. So, oh, really? you know, you could buy your tag on December 1st and know where you're going to go hunting. Um, you know, not all of them sell out, uh, you know, soon, but we do have uh, several units, several zones for elk that are that are what we call capped zones, which have a fixed number of non-resident tags and a fixed number of resident tags. And those non-resident tags also go on sale in November, uh, December 1st. And, um, you know, some of them sell out in just a few hours. So, oh, wow. uh, okay. they're, they're not controlled hunts. They're just, uh, basically first come first serve. And so, uh, you know, start your planning early. Um, once you hang up your bow for the year, uh, start planning. And, and if you have any questions, uh, you can definitely, uh, call any of the regional offices or headquarters for fishing game and get more information on hunting Idaho and licenses and, and, uh, and what you actually need, you know, different from most states or some states, um, you know, Idaho requires a hunting license and a tag. Some places, you know, they just sell you the, the, the tag is the license. Right. Yeah. Thing. So, and so for us coming from Oregon, we need to make sure that we have our hunter safety completed as well um, in order to purchase those tags. So if you guys are thinking about going to Idaho and you are, you know, live in Oregon, get on. If you don't already have, which I'm sure all of you have it, make sure that your your hunter safety is all handled, take care of. You got your hunter ID number and all that stuff because you will not be able to purchase a tag or any of the licenses without it. So super important. Unless you're an old dude like me, <laughs> <laughs> and then then you then you get to uh, you, you get a pass. But no, I'm I've taken hunter ed. Um, I've actually taken hunter ed three times. So uh, so yeah, it uh, it's it's all good. Perfect. Um, and uh, I'm a hunter. I'm also a hunter ed instructor, trapper ed instructor, and uh, so. <laughs> but yeah, pretty pretty important and. Uh, to have that before you uh, come and sign up so yeah you're going to be pretty upset when you try to get that tag and there's they ask what your hunter angler id number is and you're like ah one two three four five six seven doesn't work so anyway yeah. man toby sir you're you're um we're very grateful to have you on the podcast i hope that you cleared some stuff up for anybody that um, had any questions about Idaho, I know that Courtney and Joe and I are really excited about going. Like I said, man, we've got this list, multiple lists around. Um, we've already started our prep. You know, we, we're shooting our bows every day, which we do year round. You know, that's something that we do specifically to make sure that no matter what the scenario is, um, we can get the job done and get that shot down range and, and hit its mark. We've, we've got our, you know, our foods getting ready and, um, man, we're, we've got maps going and we're really excited. So, um, you know, getting on here today and answering all these questions and, um, getting that info out, letting people know where to find more info is great. I can't thank you enough, my friend. Um, if you have anything else you'd like to add, please do. Um, no, I appreciate the opportunity, Stephen. Uh, I think, uh, I think, you know, us uh, getting the word out about Idaho fishing game and, and Idaho is, is always a good thing. And, you know, I think that, uh, I really appreciate what you guys do, and uh, and I hope you guys have a safe and and enjoyable uh, hunting experience. And I uh, can't wait to uh, see the pictures. Yeah. yeah, well, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Um, if you guys want any more information on, you know, kind of what we do to, to prepare for a, a big backcountry hunt that that we're going to be doing here and we're, we're actually going to be setting up two different camps we're going to have a base camp and then we're probably going to backpack um up into the mountains a little bit more and set up a secondary bivy camp um, we'd be more than happy to chat with you about that you can find us um elevationfitnesstraining.com 
You can make sure that you get on the Archery Maniacs podcast also and like and review this Full Draw Fitness podcast. Um, Instagram, you can find us. Courtney, as always, is at Her Outdoor Journey. I am HuntFit underscore 08, and you can find us on Facebook as well. So um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you. Um, Toby Boudreau, who is the again the assistant chief of Wildlife Idaho Fish and Game. What a wealth of knowledge and resource. If you have any more information, jump on their website. As he said, it's pretty easily Googled. Toby, can't thank you enough, my friend. I hope you have a great day and thanks for being on the podcast. You bet. Thanks you, Stephen, and uh, hope you guys, everybody, has a great hunting season and uh, and enjoys themselves. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll check with you guys uh, again here real soon. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to the show. It means a lot to us. But seriously, though, I really appreciate your ear. And it would mean the world to me if you would rate our podcast. If you didn't like it, one star it. But if you did, a five is even better. Don't forget to comment, like, share, and hit that subscribe button. Thanks again for tuning into the show. Some other podcasts that you should definitely check out are... Eastman Elevated with Bride and Barney. And Hunt Harvest Health with Ryan and Hillary Lampers. And a special thanks to... Maven Optics, Six Sight Gear, Dark Energy Tech, Shield Mountain Outdoors, The Outdoor Insiders, Iron Mind Hunting, Valkyrie Archery, and Gannett Ridge Sporting Equipment.